ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Okay, Coach, yet another week, yet another fantastic guest, and yet another Cardinal record holder as we welcome in the all-time leading scorer in Cardinal history. Coach, I'm super pumped about tonight's guest. Yeah, uh, no question about it. Um, you know, uh, Shasha Brown was, uh, you know, obviously as the all-time leading scorer in Wesleyan basketball history, uh, had a tremendous impact uh, as uh, um, as did uh, his classmates um, who were all part of Coach Riley's first recruiting class as he came in and, and began to uh, rebuild the program. And so really uh, anxious, you know, a, a, a teammate and classmate of uh, Greg Zangine, who we had on earlier in the podcast. And, you know, Greg talked, you know, so so much about Shasha. And, and I'm sure uh, Shasha is going to return the favor because I know they're very close. So, uh, but, but really, uh, you know, uh, you know, here's a guy that's that's done a lot of different things in um, uh, high school basketball, college basketball, and um, you know, really uh, uh, an impressive young man. So, uh, really excited to uh, to uh, to hear his story. Yeah, we're going to catch up with Shasha Brown, class of 2013. Talk about what he's doing now as the director of basketball ops at Vanderbilt University, and kind of his journey towards what he's doing right now, helping out uh, Vanderbilt head coach Jerry Stackhouse. They try to rebuild a tradition-rich program down in Nashville for the Commodores. But before we do that, Coach, as always, you know we're missing the man behind the man this week, Mike O'Brien, unavailable during the holidays. But you know I'm going to try to fill in those shoes. So what we'd like to let you know about is how you can be a part of our podcast. As always, you can contact us on Twitter at Wesleyan underscore Athletics, or you can hit up my personal handle at Chris Grace eighty two. On Facebook at Wesleyan.athletics and on Instagram at Wesleyan underscore athletics. As always, we want to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of our guests and who you might want on our show that maybe Coach and I haven't even thought about. Because as we figured out along the way, Coach, you know, I've been stunned. There are so many great former Cardinals out there that are involved in the world of sports. I never would have expected it when we started this. Each week, it seems like we stumble upon someone else that we either knew about or didn't know about. So we'd like to hear from everyone else because we want all the best guests that everyone wants on our podcast. No question about it. This has been so much fun for me uh, as an alum to, uh, uh, to really get to know uh, some of our guests uh, who I didn't know so well uh, while they were here at Wesleyan, but, and then others that uh, some of our younger alums who are, who are, uh, you know, really bursting upon the scene right now. And, and, uh, you know, making us really proud as, uh, uh, you know, as, as part of our Wesleyan Alumni Network. So our guest tonight will fall into that category, someone that Coach knows very well, Wesleyan all-time leading scorer. He's coming up right now, class of 2013. It's Shasha Brown. We've got a special guest for you, class of 2013, the all-time, I said all-time leading scorer in Wesleyan Cardinal basketball history, the current director of basketball operations at Vanderbilt University, that's right. Shasha Brown is with us. Shasha, thanks for having us. Thanks for being with us tonight, and uh, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. 
Look, first things first, with all of our guests, we like to talk about kind of how you made your way to Middletown. So talk about kind of how you ended up hanging out in the Freeman Center, how you ended up applying your trade for Coach Riley, how you became a Cardinal. Um, so it, it, it was actually a uh, – it's actually a funny story. Um, so a mentor of mine, his name's Sean Atkins, uh, he went to Bates, and, and he was a football player while Coach Riley uh, was over at Bates – and uh, my mother's uh, co-worker, Dave Thomas, um, they, they worked together for over 20 years. And uh, unbeknownst to me, Dave uh, made my mother promise uh, that when it was time for me to, to pick a school, uh, that I'll take a look at Wesleyan. Um, so I played at the Petty School. Uh, it's in the Maple League uh, in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, so we play against Lawrenceville, Mercersburg, Hun, Blair, and I, I forgot what other schools, but um, it was time to decide a school. And, and, and I took some visits and I, I vividly remember uh, I took a visit to Amherst. It was the only other NESCAC school uh, that was recruiting me. So I was deciding between Wesleyan, uh, Cornell and Amherst. Uh, took a visit to Amherst and the first night it was great, you know, loved it. And then the second day uh, I didn't really have a good time. Um, just wasn't what I wanted to be a part of. Uh, and then I remember during my visit to Wesleyan, uh, Coach Riley was big on building a culture. Uh, that, that's something that we wanted to be, that I wanted to be a part of. Um, we were his first recruiting class. Uh, so it ended up being nine of us. Uh, and then seven of us played all the way through. Um, but Coach Riley had Dave Thomas working on his side and Sean Atkins. So, so I, we always make a joke about that, that uh, I ended up at Wesleyan because of uh, Dave Thomas and, and, and Sean Atkins. Um, but during my visit, you know, I, I really fell in love with it. Uh, at the time, uh, Wesleyan basketball was dead last uh, in the NESCAC. I, I think they won three games, you know, Coach Riley's first year, maybe four. Um, and, you know, uh, I met Greg on my visit. Uh, and Derek Beresford, uh, who ended up playing in the backcourt with me, and he was my roommate uh, for all, all four years at Wesley, um, and really just fell in love with with Coach Riley's vision, uh, and then the community at Wesley. You know, it, it was very, very inclusive and very encompassing. I know that's a very uh, cliche term. Uh, you know, working in the SEC now, it's something that you know is said all the time on, on uh, admission visits and whatnot at Vanderbilt. Um, but I truly felt that. Uh, and then I was coming down to my final two schools were Cornell and Wesleyan. Cornell just came off of uh, winning the Ivy League uh, and making their first NCAA appearance in, in a very long time. And Wesleyan was coming off of dead last uh, in the NESCAC. Um, but uh, again, I, I wanted to be a part of something in which I could uh, build and, and have go on forever. Uh, so yeah, so then I just... Decided to go to Wes. Again, it was nine of us, and, and then everything fell in place. I know I know. talking with, with Coach Riley, um, you know, he, he obviously remembers vividly that first recruiting class and, and how important it is to, to like you say, uh, you know, put, putting the, the program, uh, you know, on track to, uh, to, uh, to, to reach that vision, you know, to, to, to take the program where you, where you hope you want it to go. And I know many times he's told me the story that, you know, from the moment 
he had the opportunity to watch you play and 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 in high school that he knew that you know you were exactly what you know Wesleyan needed to to come in and and to uh, and to, to help turn around that program and and so you know I guess you know talk a little bit about that that trust and that bond that I mean obviously you knew you were going to come in and you were going to be day one you were going to be on the court and you were going to be you know it was going to be your team and you you know you were going to be building around this group of of young players so talk about that challenge of coming in as a first year and and really you know kind of getting the keys to the car and saying hey let's go let's let's start to build this thing yeah um so so most people don't notice i actually came into to freshman year injured um i i had a shoulder surgery uh that summer so i i told my labor um so I did not play with the guys until late October, mid okay. October. Um, and, and as you guys know, in the NESCAC, and I don't know if it's still like this, but we didn't start to November one. Everybody else gets that October fifteenth start, so you get those. You know, you're not only two weeks behind, but then your first game is like the tenth, so you really only get you know six, seven practices in. Um, so it was weird for me because uh, I wasn't playing, uh, you know, I tore my labrum and, and the guys were playing, but I was there every day. So outside of Greg and Derek, uh, no one really knew who I was. Right. So, so it was hard for me to, to be a vocal leader. Um, and then on top of that coach was inheriting uh, a bunch of guys that he didn't necessarily recruit. So while that was existing, he also empowered us to be very vocal. Um, so it wasn't until probably our third game uh, in which I really came onto the scene in terms of uh, the team respecting me. But but to, to circle back to your question about uh, when we trusted in coach, uh, during my visit, Greg started a group chat with me, him, and Derek. Uh, and, and I just saw his passion and I saw Derek's passion. Uh, and I didn't feel that passion uh, for any other school that I went to, right? It, it wasn't, um, my my presence wasn't threatening, right? It, it was very much welcomed. Um, and then Coach Riley, you know, he Coach Riley did a great job. Uh, <laughs> Coach Riley recruited my parents, I like to say, more so than he recruited me. Um, and then again, you know, just, just circling back to, to Dave Thomas and, and Sean Atkins, uh, when, when I really compared Cornell to Wesleyan, it was, hey, do you want to go to Cornell, potentially win the Ivy League, uh, or potentially not and, and not make the tournament, um, or be a part of something, uh, again, that is, you know, lasting forever. Um, so, you know, with, with, with Coach Riley's vision uh, and then the, just the enthusiasm uh, that, that Greg and Derek and Callahan and those guys had. Uh, I felt like it was, it was a no-brainer. Um, now, the, you know, there were ups and downs during that process that, that I didn't necessarily think uh, we would hit, but I'm also of the mindset, and even now being in coaching is weird, it's easier to go through those hardships when you're playing, right, because you feel like you have an immediate impact, um, and I knew I would be able to have an immediate impact here. Uh, and I thought I was good enough to have an immediate impact anywhere I went. Um, but Coach Riley was was big on, you know, selling that vision, selling everything that Wesleyan had to offer, right? So outside of athletics, just the social life. Like, 
you know, uh, again, I, I don't know if you guys still do it, but like West Fest was really the what made me commit. It was signed, sealed, and delivered after I left West Fest, just because I was like, I can exist here outside of being an athlete. Um, so that was really it, you know. But again, Coach Coach Riley did a really, really good job. He was just such a well, he is such a genuine person, you know, um, during my time at Wesleyan, like I, I really evolved from, from being a, a kid to a man, just from like a personal standpoint and things that happened in my personal life. Uh, and he was a consistent during that time. And he still is a consistent, uh, you know, to this day. Um, and, and, and I think it's the reason why, you know, we got there and we were able to, to, to build a foundation and he was able to, to expand that, um, and ultimately win the NESCAC championship. So, so I came here because Coach Riley's a really, really good recruiter. <laughs> so, and, and, and we and we we had Greg Santina on. He was one of our uh, Greg Santina was one of our earlier guests, and you know he talked about a lot a lot of the same things that you're mentioning in terms of that that, that you know the, the chemistry of of you know that recruiting class and you know the way you guys challenged each other and. And, you know, the, the vision that you all had in terms of, you know, where you wanted to take the program uh, and, you know, the amount of, of time, effort, and energy that you committed to, 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 to basketball and to the program. Yep. And so obviously, uh, you know, that, that was a really special group. And, you know, we, we talk a little bit more about it, but I mean, it, it, it like, you know, it produced three, a thousand point scores. And, and in your opinion, Coach Riley's opinion and some other opinion, Greg Sanchine, the only reason why he didn't get there was because he was hurt. Yeah. Um, so it could have potentially been four thousand point scores in the same recruiting class, which is incredible when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it you know, and, and I would I would uh feel bad if I didn't, you know, mention my guy Jason Mandel. Uh Jason Mandel was a lone senior, right? So we came in and, and we were all freshmen and he was the only sophomore. Um and he kind of like folded into us, you know, um, and, and our junior year, uh, was our best year. Like Greg wasn't hurt. Uh, we had a kid by the name of Glenn Thomas, um, who was probably the best rebounder in the league. Um, and Cal Callahan and, and Derek really elevated their game. Um, and we were 20 and six, you know, we were the only team to beat Amherst that year. Uh, the only team we didn't beat, I believe in, in the, yeah, the only team he didn't beat that year in the league was uh, Middlebury. Uh, and we didn't get in that large bid. <laughs> and it, it was the first year. Um, we still talk about it to this day, but it, but it was like one of the first years in four or five years where, where the NESCAC didn't get three to four at-large bids um, for the tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it that process uh, of getting to junior year uh, – was very interesting, right? Because freshman year, we sucked. But, like, we played Williams the third game of the season, and they were, like, fourth in the country. You know, we lost by, like, 10. We put up – I think we put up, like, 94 points, but we gave up 104 points. So, like, offense wasn't our issue. Uh, but but one thing that uh, – again, just having a such large recruiting class, one thing that it offered us was the opportunity to grow together. Like Coach Riley, you know, Coach Welling, to your point, he really gave us the keys to the car from day one. Um, we had a senior by the name of Jeremy Kemmerner, uh, 
uh, and we're very close with Cam to this day, but I could only imagine how hard it was for him, right? So in that starting five, it was Cam, who was a lone senior, Jason Mendel, who kind of folded into our class, Callahan, Derek, and myself, you know, and then we had Greg and then Matt Kalori, um, and, and Matthew Hogan. Uh, so, so it, it was, uh, it was a process in which we were able to grow together. Um, we learned how to play basketball, right? Cause, cause at some point we, we were just out there like running around thinking that we were better than everyone. And then when you get to, to next guy play, you realize how good guys are. Um, but it was, uh, it was interesting. It, it was interesting. But, but for me too, you know, from day one, I, I, I was kind of, I, I shot every shot, uh, but seeing Derek and Callahan and Jay, because uh, Jason Mandel was a thousand point scorer too, yep, yep. you know. So 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 we had four active thousand point scorers on the court at one time, and again would have been five if Greg didn't get hurt. Um, but just seeing those guys come into their own, you know, seeing Callahan get uh, all NESCAC honors, it, it was uh, it, it was an experience that we provided then to to BJ. Um, and Mackie and those guys, right? So when we were juniors, BJ and Mackie and those guys were freshmen. Uh, and we would beat up on them every day in practice. So it was like, and BJ said it, like when you graduated, we were guarding you every day in practice. We were guarding Greg and Derek every day in practice. We weren't worried about whoever Williams or Middlebury had because you, know, you guys were good. You guys were good. Um, so it was, uh, it, it it was a humbling experience to, to see your friends grow in, in that nature. I, I don't know if, if that makes sense. Um, but it, it, it was truly like we started winning, you know, 10 games the first season to becoming a, a top 15 team uh, in the country. So I wouldn't trade that process for the world. All right, Shasha. So here's my question. Okay. As someone who's, who's called a lot of, of games where coach Riley was the coach and he's never going to have a team that doesn't like to get shots up in particular that doesn't like to get threes up. Yeah. You're not going to have 4,000 point scorers if you don't run a pretty wide open system. Talk about what it was like to play in a system like that where you, you honestly, you see a good shot, you take a good shot and all things are good. Get them up as quick as you can. What's it like playing where, you know, you're not going to be punished for, for firing from downtown. You're not going to be punished for getting up 20, 25 shots. Yeah, you know, um, because if you went and played for Donahue at Cornell, it would not have been exactly the same. Let me just tell you that. Exactly, exactly. It was great. I mean, uh, Coach Riley probably wouldn't like me to say this, but freshman year, I vividly remember him pulling me to the side, and he was like, "Sometimes it's better for you to shoot than pass." And like, no one's ever told me that, you know. But again, we we were at a point in time uh, in the program where there weren't many options. and then we ran, we, we, we ran a, uh, a sped up version of Princeton. So it was like pinch posts. Uh, and, and for me, it was really good because I had Callahan at the pinch post. So he flashes, he catches the ball, and then he's really the, the operator. And then he reads off of my read, right? So weak, so weak is opposite ball and then strong is ball side. And then when you have Derek and Jay, who both shoot o- over 40% from three, it was like, you know, the lanes were open. Callahan could drive. I could drive. Uh, so it was, you know, a, a defensive worst nightmare. But again, it took us three years to get to that point. Like we ran the same offense. We, we started running that offense sophomore year. So we ran that offense sophomore year. And then junior year, we were really versed in it. Um, 
and one of the things that's much different at the division three level is there's no preseason, right? Like there's no, uh, here in the sec, we get our guys for eight hours a day. The second they step on campus, in addition to them working out with GAs D three, we don't get on the court with coach Riley until November one. So year one, he had, so sophomore year, he had to introduce that offense. We learned it. We played it throughout the year. And then junior year, we were able to teach that offense to not only the newcomers, but make adjustments within ourselves. Like, hey, coach, you know, when we go weak, he doesn't, we, we don't always have to reject it. You can curl it so I can get open. So it, it was more of a, uh, a dialogue at that point, as opposed to, he, he was very much coaching, but it was more like he'll call a timeout and say, what are you seeing? As opposed to trying to run an action. Um, but it was great, man. I, I mean, our, our junior year, uh, to me, is 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 the best year of basketball that I had as a player. Um, and again, the only reason why senior year, in my opinion, didn't live up to what was supposed to happen because, you know, unfortunately, Greg tore his ACL for the second time. So, you know, you take out Greg St. Jean, who is a first-team all-caliber person, uh, player, and you insert a freshman, or you insert two freshmen. So we have Brian Bartner and uh, Rasheed Davis, uh, who, who are both, you know, really, really good players. But you know, it, it's you're replacing someone that's going to give you a double-double with someone that never played college basketball. Um, so it was great. I mean, I, I love playing for my – he was the first coach to ever tell me, you know, sometimes a, a bad shot's better than a pass. Yeah. <laughs> Let it fly. All right, so – we, we, we know about how prolific you were as a scorer at Wesley and still currently the all-time leading scorer for the Cardinals. Um, now, talk about kind of, you know, after you finish your playing days, when you go to a school like Wesley, and obviously it's about more than just sports. So, but, but obviously sports are still a big part of your life. But talk about kind of, you know, what was the first thing you did after you left, left campus uh, and, and kind of how you've evolved to your current job, which is the director of basketball ops at, at Vanderbilt University. Um, so, so believe it or not, my junior year, you know, we're going to bring Dave Thomas back into this conversation. Uh, my junior year, I had a, uh, a summer internship, uh, with Nielsen. Uh, so I worked in Nielsen and it was great. Lived in the city. That's where I'm from. Did that. And, uh, went back to school. Right. You know, so senior year happens, uh, se- uh season ends. And I was in limbo between trying to play overseas and finding a real job. Uh, But during my my sophomore year, uh, during the season, my my parents passed away. Um, So Coach Riley and I had, you know, a a heart-to-heart. And it was like, you you could go overseas, right? And you could potentially make $10,000 a year living in Siberia. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, and I was like, uh, it's not something I, I want to do. So uh, Dave Thomas and I had a conversation. He was like, you know what? Go interview here. Tell me if you like it. If you don't like it, we'll go in a different direction. So I interviewed with Nielsen, but in their Chicago office. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget this. I, I was on a, an interview with Nielsen in the Chicago office, and it was more so like, hey, if you like the job, it's yours. Um, and during the interview, I remember the lady telling me, uh, she was like, you know, off the record, you don't seem like you're done with sports. Like, you, you, 
I'm getting the vibe that you still love basketball in whatever capacity, you know, you want to be in sports. I feel like that's what you should do. Um, so I never forget. I, I came back to school, uh, went to Coach Riley's office, and I was telling him I was like, you know, I, I don't think I want to. I want to move out to Chicago and take this job. Um, so we start shuffling, and uh, I took a job at the Westtown School. So Westtown School is a, a private Quaker school uh, right outside of uh, Philadelphia. Um, big time athletics, like. We had, when I was there, we had George Papaganis, who was the 13th pick in the draft. Um, we had Jair Bolden, who's currently the starting point guard at Butler. Jared Nickens, that went on to uh, uh, Maryland. Cam Reddish, who's on the Hawks. He was a lottery pick. Muhammad Bamba, who was on the Orlando Magic, right? So, so it was a basketball factory. Uh, so that was my, my introduction to coaching. Um, and that's when I realized I, I love the sport. Um, and then did you, work, did you did you work with Seth Seth Berger? Seth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So 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 Seth was my boss. Yep. Um, and so so I so I was there, and uh, I loved my time at West Ham, uh, but I loved the basketball part. Uh, in addition to that, I was a eleventh and twelfth grade dorm parent. Um, so mind you, I'm twenty two coming out of Wesleyan, and like you're putting me in a dorm with. <laughs> 17, 18 year old boys. Uh, so it was weird because I connected with them in ways that the rest of the faculty didn't. Um, and then I taught pre-K through fifth grade uh, English and PE, physical education, so gym class. Um, so I did that for a year. And then uh, I transitioned to Westtown. I mean, sorry, I transitioned to VCU where I was a graduate assistant. Uh, so I was a graduate assistant VCU for two years with Shaka, Smart, and then I stayed on with Will Wade. Uh, after that, I then took the job at Hoop Group. So Hoop Group is the East Coast's uh, largest high school exposure camp, right? So if you're a Division One, Two, II, or Three, and you're looking for talent on the East Coast, that's where you go. You go to all of their sessions. A uh, gentleman by the name of Rob Kennedy, uh, who's probably uh, the most powerful man in the Northeast uh, when it comes to basketball. Uh, so I worked there for a little bit. Uh, and then I transitioned to the NBA. Um, but during this entire time, uh, Coach Waylon, and, and you'll love this, uh, I actually coached a travel team, uh, EYBL, so Elite Youth Basketball League. It's a Nike travel team, um, best in the country, top-notch, uh, called PSA Cardinals. So reason why they're called PSA Cardinals, the person who founded it, actually all four uh, directors went to Wesleyan. So Terrence Williams, uh, Justin Ware, uh, Jason Forty, and Andre Charles. Uh, they all graduated from Wesleyan, and, and, and they run arguably the best travel basketball high school team in America. Um, I actually have their shirt on now. You can't see it, but on your destiny. Uh, but they call it the PSA Cardinals because of the Wesleyan Cardinals. Um, and, you know, over the past seven years, eight years, uh, all 11 of their kids, all 12 of their kids that have played on that 17 and under circuit have earned Division One scholarships. So you got Cole Anthony, who was just a lottery pick, Muhammad Bamba, who was just a lottery pick, uh, 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 who else? Uh, Bryant, uh, Thomas Bryant, um, the, the list goes on. Uh, but again, 
the four of those guys went to West together. Um, and, and I was able to build and form a relationship with them. And, and, and they're very, very uh, vital to my success to this day, right? Like Munch is one of the, Terrence Williams' name's Munch. Uh, he, he's one of my mentors, right? So whenever there's a, a job that, that's opening or whenever there's a AAU coach that I need to get in contact with, um, he is that person. Um, but again, that relationship was fostered at, you know, at Wesleyan, cultivated at Wesleyan. And, and it just brings me back to, you know, I went there for a reason, right? Like, uh, I, I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't, didn't know this was going to be my path um, when, when I told Coach Riley I was coming. Uh, but, but God had bigger things in plan. And, and now I, I have a, a support system that went to West way before I did. You know, but because we have that connection, we have that shared experience. Um, I'm able to to do what I do today. So, well, I, I know I know Dave Thomas really well, and uh, you know he he definitely takes total credit for you being at Westland. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no question about it. He takes total credit, and uh, he tell, he reminds Coach Riley every time that uh, we're together that uh, you know he's taking full credit for you. And uh, but you know it's just great to hear. Uh, you know, you talk about the Wesleyan network, you know, and the alumni yeah. network and, and how loyal that network is um, and, you know, how, how, how powerful and, and impactful it can be in, in someone's life. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't I knew about Dave, but I didn't know about the guys, uh, you know, with the AAU. So uh, sounds like sounds like uh, they could be a potential podcast with us. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. The, 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 those guys love Wes. Um and and I'll connect you, but but Jason Forty, uh, Munch, Terrence Williams, Andre Charles, Justin Ware, they all went to Wesleyan. It's, it's like wow. they, they all went to Wesleyan, and now they run the literally the number one travel basketball club in the country. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, your official Wesleyan Athletics podcast. Shasha Brown, class of 2013, the all-time leading scorer in Cardinal history, and a man who, at a very young age, has done a whole lot in the world of basketball. You know, one thing you talked about, Shasha, that I want to touch up on is you went as a as a as a TA or, or a grad assistant to VCU. Um, you probably went there saying, "Well, hey, they've got this nice, you know, this young coach. You know, I'm going to get a chance, to maybe learn something. A guy who's not much older than me. I'm sure you weren't expecting." When you when you got to VCU, that VCU was gonna turn into what VCU turned into when you ended up there. Uh, or so, were you? So, so uh, I mean, so so it was fun. You mean like my position or like? No, I mean like the program. Like you end up you end up at, at VCU and and you know you've got this, you know, mid major program and and it, you know you end up having you're there with with two big time big time coaches and turns into yeah. a big time program. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what's funny about that is my timing at VCU. So I actually came, I think three years after their final four run. Okay. So, so yeah. So, so, so I came three years after their final four run, but to your point, the level of consistency that coach smart and will Wade was able to maintain, um, being able to see under the hood, right? Like how that thing operated, uh, as my first introduction to college athletics, uh, was was not only interesting, but it was also, you know, I, I reminisced a little bit, right? Like it, it, it showed me the importance and the power of culture, 
right? Like culture sustaining. Uh, one, one thing that coach, coach that, that Shaka Smart said when I was there is this thing is going to go on far beyond my time here and your time, right? And, and it made me think of my time at Wesleyan, right? Like I was there and I was trying to build something that would outlast and outlive my four years as a college athlete. Um, and I mean, I mean, what he said was, was true, right? Like when you think of Wesleyan, they were able to, to win there. They were able to win the NESCAC championship as a six seed, right? So they didn't win the six, they didn't win the championship as a six seed uh, because of talent. They won because of culture, because they were committed to doing what they had to do, regardless of not only the, not only the, the current outcome, but the previous outcome, like their emotional pendulum didn't sway. Um, and that true then, and that same thing, uh, remained true when I was at VCU, right? I was at VCU. We had a, a point guard by the name of, uh, Briante Weber, my first year, Briante Weber. He was first team all, first team all conference. Uh, he was on pace to shatter the NCAA steals record. So to put it in perspective, he was 18 steals away, three games into the season. He was 18 steals away from breaking the all-time record and he was averaging seven steals a game. Wow. So, you know, that, that thing was about to be gone. Briante Weber tears his ACL. We then finish our season. We enter the A-10 tournament as the sixth seed. No, sorry, as the eighth seed. So we play on day one. And we end up winning the conference tournament, right? And, and we didn't win the conference tournament because we were the, the most talented. We Yes, we were talented, but we won the conference tournament because of culture. Um, and again, that, that, that's a similarity between my time or, or Wesleyan's experience to, to what happened at, at BCU. Um, so again, to answer your question, it, 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 was, it was more about being able to see a culture being built as a coach as opposed to a player, um, in which really revealed that, that there are a lot of similarities, uh, you know, regardless of the level to being great, right? Like, like, like being an average person doesn't equate to being great, uh, in my opinion. And, and I think I was, I was able to be a part of both situations, which was very, uh, humbling. And, and, you know, with Chaka Smart, um, you know, the, the whole, I mean, I know, I don't, you know, I know a little bit about basketball, uh, but, uh, you know, he was a big, heavy pressure D. Didn't he have the create chaos? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, all that. You obviously talked about the steals. Yeah. You know, just, just, just talk about kind of, you know, kind of, you know, being, being in that environment and that culture as you, as you, you know, and the, and the pride that it takes to play that hard on defense. Yeah. So, so, so he called it havoc. So havoc, okay. literally every shirt we had made, every shirt that was printed, it was havoc on the back. Um, but again, right, like playing defense, and I would assume it's very similar to football, like it takes very little skill. Like, yes, you have to have the physical attributes, but at the end of the day, it is about hustle and it is about want and desire. Um, and, and we were able to, he was able to create a culture of want and desire, right? I want this more than you do. And am I willing to go the extra inch to get the victory, right? But going that extra inch may put me in a realm and in the space of being uncomfortable. Um, and, and, and that's something he was able to create. Uh, and then again, you know, just, just going back to, to my time at Wesleyan, like that was something we were able to create. Like 
those guys that won that NESCAC chip, I, I'll never forget it. And by this time, we were removed. But the night they won, they called us because they entered a culture, right? Like when BJ and Mackey and those guys arrived on campus, there was the blueprint. Like, this is how we do things. This is what we do. When we got on campus, it was, what do we want this to look like? So it, it was a much different process. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you have that shared and that learned experience that they had. So when they won, we genuinely felt like we won. Like we're still salty about not getting in that large bid, but it's like, you won a NESCAC chip. Like we, like Coach Riley sent us NESCAC championship shirts. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so this is kind of a good segue for me. So now you're at a place in, in Vanderbilt that has great tradition. You know, I went to an SEC school, so I know what it's like going on the road and I didn't play in an SEC school, mind you. I know what it's like going on the road and trying to win games in Vanderbilt. There's great tradition there, but Vanderbilt, you guys are trying to create a culture. So much like you, you know, experienced in your time in Middletown, what's it been like for you guys coming in there and trying to, trying to create a new culture at a place that, that really values basketball tradition? Um, I mean, fortunately, I'm able to work for, you know, Jerry Stackhouse, right? So Jerry Stackhouse played 18 years in the league, uh, two, three-time All-Star. He he was top 100 all-time scoring until I think like James Harden recently bumped him out. Uh, So he, Coach Stack came in with a very defined understanding or or, or very defined uh, outline of, of what he wanted things to look like. Right. And, but mind you, he also played for Dean Smith, who's arguably the greatest college coach ever. Um, so it, it took a little while for us to make that adjustment just because the type of athlete or the type of person and student athlete that comes to Vanderbilt uh, is very different from the rest of the SEC, right? Primarily just because of the academic standards. So when we're recruiting a kid, we can't just walk into a gym and say, hey, you know, he has the SAT score to be eligible. We can take him. It's like, no, you need 8,000 or you need a 24 in the SAT, which, you know, by Wesleyan standards for the, you know, the general population may not seem high. But when you're talking about competing at the power five level, that's a big gap, right? It is a big gap because you go from being able to recruit literally anyone to a very targeted market, um, which is why like football probably struggles here, right? Because it's like you're competing against Alabama, and, and, and you have to again, recruit seventy five people instead of instead of recruit five people every year. You have to recruit you have to recruit thirty five people every year. Exactly, exactly. Um, so so coach has so so to answer your question, the the school and t- the school to some extent shapes the culture because you have to target a certain type of kid. Now what the basketball program does in particular is when you get that kid, what buttons are you going to push in terms of getting them to be the, not only the best player they can be, but not be the uh, soft. And, and this is, you know, I shouldn't say it like this, but it's true. Not be the soft educated coming from a two-family home player that doesn't necessarily have the same experience as Auburn, but we expect you to go play against them and beat them. 
right? So, so Vanderbilt, fortunately, in basketball has been able to perform at a high level in which there's a level of respect, there's a level of tradition that when we recruit, you know, hey, we had Darius Garland. Uh, since 2012, people don't know this, since 2012, Vanderbilt has had the most first-round draft picks behind Kentucky in the SEC. Wow. Right? It, I know know that. That. But again, to just circle back to your, your question, Coach has done a very, very good job at getting these guys to understand that you have to be a dog, right? Like when you're playing, you have to be hungry. You have to play hard. Like in practice today, we always do uh, offensive it's an offensive thought of the day, defensive thought of the day, and then a general thought of the day. And we played Davidson the other day and got punked, like completely punked. Like it had nothing to do with scheme. It had nothing to do with shot selection. It just had to do with will and want. And the only word he put on there was toughness and rebound, right? Like whether you go to Alabama, whether you go to Auburn, Kentucky, or Vanderbilt, you're capable of doing this. Um so, so he's done a very good job at like getting those guys to play hard, getting those guys to understand the importance of uh, the team collective, right? Like winning creates more opportunity for everyone. Um, but it's been, you know, it, 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 it's been tough because at the end of the day, you do have to get a certain level of talent to buy into that culture to then win. Uh, I, I don't know if I directly answered your question, but 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 it's like, we we have we have restraints here that kind of shape the culture or the type of kid we can get, and then once when we get them, we can then push them in a certain direction. It makes it makes perfect sense, you know. So I guess my my last question for you about Vanderbilt is, um, what does the job entail? What does director of basketball ops at a college school entail? Like, what's your day to day like? Um. So I oversee. So when you think of travel, I plan everything, right? So literally from when the guys wake up to when they go to sleep, minute by minute. So they'll wake up, we'll have practice, uh, we'll have a catered meal after practice. We'll then have a bus take us from the gym uh, to the airport because we charter. Then the guys will board the plane, we'll land, We'll get to the hotel, depending on what time we get to the hotel, I'll offer like a nighttime shoot around. So where the guys can just go to the gym and get shots up. They'll have a nighttime snack in the hotel. We'll wake up. We'll have like a small continental breakfast at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock. We'll have a, a 90 minute walkthrough at the arena. We'll then get back. We'll have a, uh, a big buffet breakfast. Uh, waffles, omelet station, all that stuff. Coach Whalen, none of the stuff we had D3. I, I was telling Coach Riley this, like, this is no, uh, is that store still open? Like, right up the road? Neon Deli? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. No Neon Deli. Like, no this Neon is, Deli. No, this is no Neon Deli. <laughs> um, I love Neon Deli, but no uh. Neon Deli here. Uh, yeah, so we'll have a catered breakfast, and then, you know, they'll be off their feet probably, you know, from 10.30, let's say it's an 8 o'clock game, they'll be off their feet from 10.30 to 4.15, another catered breakfast at 4.15, and then we'll depart from the hotel probably 90, 80 minutes before the game, and then it's game time. Then we play, and then we get back on the flight that night, and then we're, we're here. So overall general travel, um, scheduling, uh, and then everything that they need, right? So 
during the pandemic, it's been really, really hard. So when we travel, I now have to assign uh, seats on the bus and the plane because of contact tracing. So if we go to a game and come back and you test positive, I need to pull up the chart and draw a circle six feet around you and see whoever, you know, is around you. Um, so we avoid that on the buses. Fortunately, our budget's big enough to where Coach Whalen, you would go crazy as an AD. But like I put 10 people on one bus and it's a max of 68. Wow. But if I put 10 people on a bus and everyone's socially distant, um, so, so, you know, we go from taking one bus to now we take three to four buses per trip. Um, so, so, so from a budget standpoint, it, it, it's insane. Uh, and then I oversee our meals. Uh, and then I have a, a good deal of recruiting. Uh, the NCAA this year passed a blanket waiver uh, to where anyone on staff can make phone calls uh, to call recruits, call coaches. Um, and, and that's really the, one of the strengths that I bring uh, to the staff one just because uh, well primarily because I, I was able to work with PSA Cardinals uh, Terrence Williams and those guys and just be a part of that culture uh, I know every you know Nike EYBL coach in the country um, from a personal standpoint uh, so so yeah it, 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 it's twofold uh, it, especially during COVID it's uh it's an interesting time like before practice now I'm I like I have this uh what is it? It is a COVID sprayer that costs like $3,000 and it, 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 it electrifies the, uh, the mist or, or, or the disinfectant, you know, we got to fog the whole gym down before the guys walk in, um, you know, for, for home games. Now, uh, we have fans, but our players can't see their parents after the game. You know, uh, when we do meals, uh, we now, like I serve the meals now because we can't necessarily bring in people from the outside to, to serve the meals. Um, so, so being a Dobo during COVID uh, has definitely showed me and taught me uh, all of the nuances that, that I think has, has equipped me to being a head coach, if I'm fortunate enough to be a head coach, uh, you know, just the day-to-day -day operation. So again, I, I hope that answers your question. And, and is that, is that, um, is that the ultimate goal? I mean, at this point, are you looking to uh, to be a head coach and, and and at the highest possible level? Is that your goal? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely my goal. You know, so so before I came here, I, I spent two and a half seasons at the NBA league office, mm -hmm. um, and, and I worked in youth development, more specifically elite youth development. So I did that, and then coached travel basketball, uh, and then Jerry Stackhouse got this job, and he asked me to come along with him, uh, and, and it's really. Uh, reintroduced me to my love, not, not for coaching. Cause I always love coaching, but coaching at this level, right? Like Greg and I talk about it all the time. And, and I think it, it, it's what allows us to, to get along so well. Um, personality wise, Greg and I are not the opposite, but we aren't the same. Like we have just the amount of like, like we're very similar when it comes to how competitive we are, but we are different in terms of like how we communicate that level of competitiveness, if that makes sense. Um, to where Derek is like on the opposite spectrum of us. Like Derek and Callahan are like quiet and then Saint and I are like loud and boisterous, <laughs> you know? Um, and then even when it comes to like uh, coaching college basketball, right? Like Greg is probably more equipped 
for the NBA than me because I'm someone that likes to deal with the holistic uh, aspect of recruiting, uh, basically recruiting. Like I, like I love recruiting. Greg doesn't necessarily like recruiting. Greg loves basketball. So him and I talk about it all the time. Like, hey, you get a head job, I'll hire you. If I get a head coaching job, you're hiring me. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, Coach. Sorry. No, you got you good. No, you, you did perf- that's perfect. I was actually going to ask you, like, do you see you and Greg at some point coaching together? And I, you know, when I talked to Greg, I was so impressed and I'm getting the same feeling. You guys are, you know, same age. I could, I could totally see that happening down the road and it would be super cool for two Wesleyan guys to be coaching at the D1 level or at the NBA level. That'd be pretty, uh, yeah, pretty yeah, awesome and, to and, keep in te- uh, keep in touch with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and what's crazy about it is like Wesleyan was such a, a unique opportunity, right? Like we all grew as, as individuals there, but then we like continued to grow. Clearly we continue to grow after, but like during that time we experienced so much, right? Like, especially for me, like my parents passed away during that time. And those guys, like I lived with Greg going into my junior year for an entire summer. Like I moved out to California and, you know, and lived with him and his family. Um, and him and I got very close, you know, and then Derek got married like our like 18 months after we graduated, you know, and like Hogan just got engaged. So, and, you know, and he's in medical school. So, so, so we, we, we stay in touch, but, but it's not necessarily staying in touch because it's like, we never feel like we, we lost touch with one another, you know? Um, and it's been great because that has like expanded to, to other dudes. Like Adam Purdy is one of my best friends. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Drew Lieberman's one of my best friends. Like we all have a group chat. Like sophomore year, Purdy and I used to walk around campus. It was a little cocky, but we were like, hey, what do you and I have in common that no one else does? Like rookie of the year, you know? <laughs> but it's just like th- those relationships that we were able to build and foster at Wesleyan has carried us through life. Um, and some of my best friends in life that I talk to every day about anything, uh, didn't even play basketball. You know, like Drew was a football guy. Purdy was soccer. You know, David Fogle was on the team and then stopped playing basketball our sophomore year because of his back. You know, and, and I talk to these guys four times a week. Um, so again, it's, it's just the, the, the environment that, that Wesleyan allows their student athletes to uh, just be a holistic person. Um, and, and that's something that I know I'm going on a little tangent, but like I, it, it's something that like I look for when I'm recruiting kids at Vanderbilt, right? Like one of the things we sell is can you operate as a student at Vanderbilt? Because it's 24 hours in a day and you're not going to be able to be in the gym all 24 hours. So. And so, so what, what uh, Chris and I like to, would like to uh, uh, just get feedback from our guests on is, is uh, my question is, uh, you know, and, and you've touched about it a little bit in terms of the, the holistic person and, and that type of overall development. But, you know, just, the, just looking back on, on the liberal arts education that you got at Wesleyan and, and now, you know, how do you apply what you learned at Wesleyan in your in your in your career, you know, and and, and as director of uh, basketball operations at Vanderbilt, 
Um, my, my, my time at Wesleyan has, has my, my time at Wesleyan and Petty, where, where I went to high school, really taught me how to, and, and Coach Riley really taught me how to just operate in, in different environments, right? Like 90% of my job has nothing to do with basketball. Like this morning, I spent the entire time calling hotels to make sure that our room block was set up, right? Like specifics that you wouldn't necessarily think about, like Coach Stackhouse needs a suite and he doesn't like to be far from the elevator, right? Well, like, <laughs> Coach, most of the suites are corner rooms. You know what I'm saying? And like, he, he doesn't like care, but that's just like, like in the back of my mind, that's what I think of. And I wouldn't be able to turn that switch if I didn't go to Wesleyan because as an athlete, we had to be very, very uh, self, uh, not profocating, that's, that's the wrong term, but like self-determined, right? Like when it came to preseason, preseason was ran by us. Like, yeah, Coach Riley would probably like put his head where the glass is near the weight room. But at the end of the day, we were holding ourselves accountable to where now at this level, you know, there's always eyes watching. Like our GAs are in the gym, our coaches are in the gym. So one thing that it taught me was just to work when no one's watching, right? Always carry yourself in a manner that you will carry yourself if there was a, a arena full of people. Um, and, and, and coach, I, I, you probably don't remember this, but it was our junior year after we beat Amherst. I don't know if it was like a, a athlete, like seminar or like a mandatory meeting or something, but we were in the science building and you came and you spoke to everybody. And it was like, right when you got there and you called on Callahan and you were essentially saying like, yeah, it feels good to party and it feels good to go out. But Callahan, let the world know how it felt to like stomp on Amherst. You know what I'm saying? Because for your entire career up to that point, Amherst was just smacking you up, you know? Um, and, and, and that's something that resonated with me because for the first time outside of, no disrespect to anybody else, but for the first time outside of like Coach Riley, there was someone in the athletic department that I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like they want exactly what we want. They're working towards, and Reba, because Reba had the, the you know, cross thing going. But just like, th th there were very few people that I felt like when you walk into Williams or you walk into Amherst, like we were going to win. You know, even if we were completely overwhelmed going into it, right? Like freshman year, whatever case may be, um, we thought we were going to win, and Coach Riley made us believe we were going to win. Uh, so, so again, just to circle back to your question, like being in that liberal arts environment taught me to really, really have self-discipline, uh, push yourself when others may not be watching, um, and always operate to a standard that you will want to hold everyone else to. Perfect answer right there. Perfect answer. Coach, I think it's that time. Shasha, we appreciate what you've done, but we've got one last thing we do at the end of every single show, okay? We like to call this the gauntlet. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask you 10 questions. We're going to bounce them back and forth, Coach and I. It's really quick fire. Just All say right. the first thing that pops up into your head. It could be one word. It could be a sentence, whatever. Not a lot of pressure, but I just want to tell you, Greg was pretty good at this, so you don't want your boy <laughs> to overshadow you when it comes to the gauntlet, all right? So there's a lot of pressure. That's right. Get loose. You ready to go? Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Coach, I'm going to kick it off, all right? Go for it. All right, Shasha, who was your favorite professor during your time at Wesleyan? Alvin Lin. Who was the most influential person in your life? My father. What was your first job after graduating from Wesleyan? West Town. I was was an English and PE teacher. Okay. If you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? I'd die. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Greg actually answered that one, I think, so you're winning right now. He probably said Williams. Honestly, I don't remember, but I think I'm pretty sure he answered it. He felt he felt he felt cornered. Uh, I die. When you when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, NBA player. What's the best piece of advice you received in your life? Time waits for no one. All right. In three words, describe your Wesleyan experience. Three words. Uh, amazing. No, not enough time. How about those three? Not enough time. Perfect. Not enough time. Okay. Um, what do you miss most about Wesleyan? Uh, just like, you know, waking up and not having to worry about where my next meal is coming, to be honest. You know, the meal plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best answer we've had yet, for sure. What's, all right. What's your favorite Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? Um, and that doesn't have to be your personal highlight. I mean, like, Wesleyan at large. Uh, just, like, one experience? No, no, no. Like, what's the best athletic highlight from, from Wesleyan over the last 20 years? Oh, uh, from me. Well, no, I'm going personal. Uh, our home game against Bowdoin, uh, NESCAC. It, it was our first time we got to host a, a playoff game. Uh, it, it, you know, sold out. It was a great environment. I, think I remember was, that. That was awesome. I yeah. remember that. It was a great, great, great game. Yeah, we were about like 20, but it, it was great. I mean, it was the best environment we've ever played in. Biggest crowd we've ever had in Silloway. Yeah. Uh, okay, last one. Um, it, who is the West alum you would most like to have dinner with? Uh, Goldlink. It's a singer. I think Goldlink. I think Goldlink went to, I think, I think it's Goldlink. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it's Goldlink. Okay. All right, All right that, you survived the gauntlet. Listen. Well, I left Goldlink didn't go to Wesleyan. No. Uh, no, I think so. Well, we're claiming we're claiming them anyway. Yeah, we're claiming. Yeah, Goldlink went to Wesleyan. Perfect. There you go. All right, that's a, the first hey, time we've he, gotten Goldlink. David Fogel, put David Fogel. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful, Coach. You got anything else for us before we close uh, it down? He, I tell you, that was a great gauntlet. He, he's awesome. Yeah, Shasha, we want to thank you so much. For everyone who, who's who's listened to tonight's edition of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, we want to thank tonight's guest, class of 2013, current director of basketball ops at Vanderbilt University, Shasha Brown, all-time leading scorer in Cardinal history still to this day. For the coach, Mike Whalen, for our guest tonight, Shasha Brown, I'm Chris Grace. You've been listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. Until next time, so long, everybody.